Hello and welcome to the Marketing Mashup Podcast. This podcast is where we bring you the most interesting perspectives on marketing from some of the best minds in the industry. In this series, we've got agency directors, startup founders, and some of the people who are away in these trenches delivering the marketing campaigns. We might also grab some perspectives from people outside of the marketing, so let's mash it up. I've got a very, very exciting guest with me here today. I've got Chris Higgins, um, a little bit about Chris. Chris is a modern-day marketing technology guru and my HubSpot go-to. He's your founder of marketing technology consultancy, Electric Monk. We have a brilliant About Us section, and I quote, Unashamedly geeky when it comes to marketing data and business intelligence, our team are laser-focused inbound marketing, automation, and growth specialists. We're obsessed with creating incredible digital experiences that help our customers to engage their audience, generate leads, and maximize their ROI. And we love sharing our knowledge and expertise with businesses who care about their brand and want to succeed online. Chris has also worked for various in-house marketing teams before he took the plunge to start his own consultancy. In this episode, we talk a little bit about Chris's career, the differences between in-house teams and marketing agencies, the state of MarTech, what you should be using in 2019, and take a little bit of an in-depth look at HubSpot tool itself and improvements that could change the game. Chris, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, mate? Good, man. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. Um, I wanted to sort of start off how I start off with most of my guests and talk a little bit about your career. You mentioned you started out in the entertainment industry, working as a sound and lighting technician before deciding that you wanted to move into marketing. Now, not everyone decides to go into marketing. It's not anyone's real dream to become a marketer. Um, <laughs> So tell me a little bit about that progression from where you started out, how you got into that. Did you go to uni? Uh, yeah, I did, but not not straight out of school. So um, uh, I, I grew up in Australia. Um, I, uh, uh, I, I don't know if it's, it's different over here. We finished school at 18. Yeah, like yeah high same school, here, 18, same yeah. Um, And kind of just drifted around for a little bit. And I was always really interested in the entertainment industry. Um, but not particularly talented, so decided to work behind the scenes. What, um, what part of the entertainment industry are we talking? Like TV or movies? Live or? entertainment specifically, okay. like concerts and theatre and uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, you know, really, that, that was obviously one of my favourite things, and still is to go and watch live entertainment. And I kind of figured, you know, a great job would be to be involved in doing, you know, getting that stuff organised and set up. Um, so I started working as a sound and lighting tech, and kind of realised that you actually don't get to see a lot of entertainment uh, when you're doing that kind of job because you work before the show and you work after the show and you sleep during the show. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a tough gig. Like, it's a really tough gig. You know, you do 24-hour days, literally. Like, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Like you, and and that, that is how it works. Like, you go in before the show starts. If it's a touring concert or whatever, you know, you go in at four or five in the morning, you set up the show, you do the sound checks, you do the lighting checks, you do all that kind of thing, you know, Robbie Williams comes out, mm. does two hours, knocks off, and then you close the show down and how, ship how, off to how the next. Does, how does one get into that? Like, where did you start? Did you know someone? Did you just... No, it, it, it was just, I started out doing like corporate AV, actually, like, you know, setting up projectors for conferences and, you know, lecterns and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, and then moved into to entertainment. Um, so, uh, it, I, I, to be honest, I have no idea how I got started. <laughs> I went to an interview with a company that did sound and lighting, and and that was kind of how I got into it. 
So how, how long did you do that for before you, uh, one, moved to the UK and two? So I did that for about uh, six years, I think. Um, yeah, probably about six years. And, and at the time, I was kind of, you know, like I said, I didn't start work until five o'clock. Um, so I was just kind of sitting at home during the day, like on the computer trying to figure out I was what 24 25 kind of like oh, what am I gonna do with my life <laughs> like can't do this forever um and just kind of tinkering around with the computer fiddling around in photoshop and just you know started playing with all that kind of stuff like you do um and eventually was like oh I could do this do you know what I mean if, yeah, I, if yeah, I need yeah, a exactly. day job I could just do this um so uh yeah I, I, that's when I went back to uni uh, I did two years uh, a two-year course in Melbourne um yeah it, it was a like a digital media course i think that down oh, okay. there they call it multimedia but it's you know 3d modeling video production uh web design all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. that you know we do nowadays um yeah so did that for two years awesome so when did you when did you make the move to marketing when did you make the move to the uk because at the moment you, you're still in melbourne you're doing your yeah, so uh, straight out of uni, I, um, a mate of mine was working freelance as a as a kind of you know digital consultant, basically. He yeah. just built websites. Um, one of those guys that just kind of blags everything. Um, <laughs> no, genuinely. I know like them he, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He um, he he's a he's a muso um, and an actor. But someone said to him one day, oh, "Can you can you make websites?" And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I can. I'm I'm just so busy at the moment. Can you give me two weeks, and I'll I'll be able to do it for you then." Um, and what the client didn't know, of course, was that he had no idea how to build websites. <laughs> he just ran into a bookshop. This is you know because this is like 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Bought HTML for dummies, figured it out, and then was like, "Yeah, cool, I can do it for you." So he was building websites and wanted to grow the business. Uh, and I'd just come out of school and he was like, hey, do you want to come and work with me? Um, so we used to basically work from his shed in his backyard. Uh, he converted his shed into this little office, um, you know, kind of smaller than the room we're in now. Um, and we used to just sit in there all day making websites for local Love businesses. That. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Um, and it was one of those, it was real scrappy, like real scrappy company. It was just the two of us. Um, uh, and, and he would go out to client meetings and, and then come back and be like, hey, can we, um, do we know how to do this? And I'd be like, no. And he's like, yeah, we need to figure it out. Because <laughs> he just sold the client some project and I was the only guy that, that knew how to do it. Well, didn't know how to do it that time. So when I moved to the UK, and, and I think you're, you're right in what you said before, I kind of, I'd been working in, you know, a kind of agency side, but for a small agency, like I said, where we just kind of had to figure shit out basically. Um, I got to the UK and was like, I need a real job. Like I need a mortgage yeah. and I need an actual job. Um, so I didn't want to be a developer. I didn't want to be a designer. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to like do one thing. Mm -hmm. be not, not because I, I couldn't, but I was kind of like, that's not really what I'm into. Uh, and kind of fell into marketing. Do you know what I mean? I was like, hey, I could, I've been writing content for people. I've been doing social media for people. I know loads about this stuff. Um, this is 2013, um, I could do marketing. Um, so I took a, uh, a role in-house at, at an insurance company. Uh, I'd only been in the country like two months and took on their marketing role. Um, yeah, and it was awesome. So I spent about 12 months at the, the insurance company uh, and then I took on a, a job with a big tech company. Um, and that was, uh, that was actually where I started to use HubSpot. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd heard about it 
uh, beforehand and kind of looked into it uh, from a lot of podcasts and stuff like that. But we had a, a marketing director come in. Uh, the company I was working with was using MailChimp, um, which was a bit of a disaster. Um, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> and, uh, and he came in and was like, right, you're in charge of digital. Go and figure this out. Um, and so he put me in touch with HubSpot and I implemented that there. So that was my first experience that with that. That was your first experience of HubSpot? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, sorry, not that was my first experience hands-on with HubSpot. Yeah. Obviously, I'd, I'd heard about it before, uh-huh. um, and you know, and, and the idea of um, both the companies that I'd work with, the insurance company and the, the tech company that um, were both using Mailchimp, you know, and day to day it was just a real grind. So hearing like there was this, you know, utopia that you'd hear about on podcasts <laughs> where it's like everything's contact-based rather than list-based and it's all amazing and you can segment, you can do all these cool things. It's like, oh my God, I need, I need this in my life. Definitely. How, how, um, so how long were you at the, the, the big tech company? Uh, three years. So you, you had three years going from not really using HubSpot to yep. learning everything you know now about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, pr- I mean, pretty much, yeah. Um, we we used we used HubSpot for marketing, and at the same time, we were actually doing a project where we were trying to build a CRM, like actually build from scratch, like an in-house CRM. An in-house CRM. Yeah. Well, that's always a disaster. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So we, we were trying to build uh, build the CRM. So it, I mean, it was it at the time you kind of look at it and go, "This is awful." But in hindsight, you look at it and go, holy shit, I learned so much Mm -hmm. from being involved in this project where we're trying to build a CRM. I didn't want to build a CRM. I wanted to use Salesforce or the HubSpot CRM, but we were kind of forced to do this project. Um, And you just, you pick up so much whilst you're doing that, even though the kind of thing never actually eventuated. So you've been working at the tech company for three years. You've got hands on with HubSpot. You then decide to leave and start your own thing. What made you take the plunge to go and start Electric Monk? It was something that I'd wanted to do for ages. Like ever since I moved, I wanted to get back to freelancing, um, or you know, consulting, or you know, whatever, you, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the the guy that had come in that I was working with, um, our, our marketing director, um, it was great. It, you know, gave me a lot of support whilst I'd been there, um, and he uh, he he left the company, uh, and I was kind of like, I might as well go as well. Like that—that that was yeah, basically yeah, it. Enough. Like you know, I, f- I found out that he was leaving. Well, everyone's got that trigger point. That yeah. Um. I, like I, f- I found out he was leaving. I went home to my um to my fiance, uh, and and I said to her, look, I've always kind of said and threatened that when he goes, I would go. Mm-hmm. Um. He's going. Do you mind if I go? And she's like, all right. So I went in and handed him my notice the next day. The next day. That's yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. And so as, as soon as you, you left, did you straight away think, right, shit. This I'm, is a disaster. <laughs> like, no, I'm kidding. You're like, shit, I, I, need, I need to make some money. Um, like, yeah. Like, did you straight away go and like find new clients or did you have like a few people you knew in the background? Yeah, I, there was a, a couple of, of I, I kind of didn't really know what I, uh, what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew it would be something to do with marketing technology. Um, I wasn't going to start building websites and do all that kind of stuff again. That wasn't yeah. really. Um, and yeah, I had a few people that I'd spoken to that were kind of like, hey, you know, we might have something for you that we can throw at you. Um, and uh, and basically I had I had six months worth of wages saved. Basically. Okay, that's good. Like that yeah. was, because I'd, I'd, I'd been thinking about it. I'd saved six months worth of wages. I was like, right, it was, I think I left in the summer, uh, like in July. So I was like, right, I've got until Christmas um, to just see what happens. Uh, and it, it kind of worked. Um, so, yeah. 
Uh, I think for everyone who's in a full-time job and are considering doing their own thing, doing a startup, it's important to, before you take that plunge, make sure you have some sort of safety net and it's good that you had that six months runway there that you could sort of, yeah, you had there. I mean, it runs out pretty quick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm sure when you were, when you were getting closer and closer. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it really, um, it, cause you kind of, you know, like it's, 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 it's kind of easy to be in a company, a big sort of functioning company that's doing all this stuff and, you know, and, and you kind of need to do marketing and you need to make sure the emails get sent out and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, and that, but that's just the busy work in a way, like yeah. that's, that's kind of tactics. Um, when you're actually like sat at home on the first day and it's like, okay, I, I have to pay the mortgage. Like I have to actually figure mm -hmm. this out. Um, uh, yeah, it's terrifying. Like really terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So, to tell tell me a little bit more then about what Electric Monk do because we're going to get a little bit more into HubSpot now because we've got quite a few things to get through. So, give, give me an introduction to Electric Monk. What you are now, what you do. So, essentially, what the business does um, is HubSpot technical consultancy. So, um, we're not. Oh well, I say we. I say you know, as a company, I'm not an inbound agency. Like I don't write content or do any of that kind of stuff. I specialize in HubSpot strategy, implementation, uh, and kind of support, basically. So if you need HubSpot implemented uh, and configured and kind of get it all, the bells and whistles ticking, I can do that. If you need support with the platform, I can do that. If you need strategy with a platform, I can do that. But I'm not, um, I'm not sort of punching out blog posts and stuff like that. I tend to work with companies mm -hmm. who can handle the the creative resource in the house but just need help with the technical stuff i like that because you you're not trying to oversell yourself you're not having every client come to you and say can you do this can you do this you're not saying oh yeah i can figure that out you, you're actually you know what you do i think that's really important and i made the mistake when i first started um of, of you know kind of trying to figure out what is it I do you know what 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 can I offer and just going oh well I'm you know I, I love HubSpot I'll, I'll, um, I'll be an inbound agency but really like you know to, to, to run a HubSpot account as an agency you kind of need like three or four people really you, you know you need someone to write content you need someone to do the design you need someone to do the strategy I just don't have the resource to do that um, so that's why I sort of focus on the technical stuff because I love playing with the toys. Like, you know, I love marketing mm -hmm. technology. I like sort of fiddling with stuff. Um, I can build, you know, uh, I can write code. I can do design if I need to. But, yeah. I, you know, I, I tend to worry about the more technical side. Yeah, so I, I, I absolutely love how you've, you've carved out a niche there. You, you know what you do. You've got your clear value offering. Have you ever thought about growing it more and like getting people into do more and scaling it or are you happy with what you're doing at the moment uh i, I think at the moment it's uh, I, look I, I could see i could see a point you know in three or four years time where it would potentially be bigger than just me um but uh, at the moment like it is kind of um really nice just to have the responsibility of just doing the work uh and and not having to manage anyone apart from my dog basically <laughs> do you know what i mean he's he's kind of my only what employee dog he's a border collie what's his name henry love that yeah he's awesome um 
you know, so, so and that's kind of like my, my, my fiance and I, we um, we went traveling last year. Uh, we went to a friend's wedding in Fiji. Uh, and then we went to um, we went to the U.S. and we went to Australia, and this is all in the space of like a you know a, a, a six seven week trip. And I was kind of able to keep working whilst I was away, um, and I don't have you know I don't have anyone that I have to be in charge of and making sure they're doing stuff. I can just deliver work, yeah, um, but I can kind of do it from wherever I am. Yeah, and what's your thoughts on specialising just in HubSpot? Um, in in and the context I'm trying to allude to there is your your work revolves around hubspot what if hubspot then go into a different direction than than the work you're doing mm. and people will start seeing less and less of an impact of it we've already sort of seen it with inbound mm. and how the inbound marketing methodology has changed and yep. hubspot have sort of tried to adapt to it yep. they're building out tools to build a bigger suite because they know that their marketing tool isn't going to be the be and all and end all forever yep. So what's your sort of thoughts on basing your value prop around it? I've thought about this a lot, um, and I think the answer is that I don't think HubSpot's going to go away overnight. Mm -hmm. um, they, they seem to be a company that's in it for the long haul. If you look at the big MarTech companies, um, Marketo, Pardot, uh, they've all been acquired. And, yeah. and I don't, I, like, I could be proved wrong in 18 months' time. Do you know what I mean? Like, you could look back on this podcast and go, well, he fucked that up. <laughs> um, but I, I don't see that with HubSpot. Like, I, I don't get uh, the sense uh, that I'm, they, they're looking to sell. Uh, I'm 100% on the same page as you. And when um, when Marketo got acquired recently, it was Marketo, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when Marketo got acquired recently. Yeah. Marketo, yeah. Um, it, was, it was like, well, HubSpot will be next. That's like the, the obvious thing, but like you, you go to inbound, you see what Brian and Darmesh are doing yeah. and they really do seem to have an ambition for HubSpot. HubSpot are the only ones that are really like, they're, they're building a community and a lot of people say a cult around HubSpot. Yep. And that is something that the other um, automation platforms or companies haven't well, done. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, Marketo has an annual conference. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't remember what it's called. Um, Adobe have um, Adobe Summit, and that's all over the world. Like they have Adobe. Well, Adobe's Adobe's a different case. They're, they're, that's they're true, huge, but yeah. they do. You know, they they obviously they're you know Adobe are a, a huge um, Salesforce have their annual you know event slash love in like the, the the from what I understand the the inspiration for inbound came from the guys from HubSpot going to the Salesforce event. Yeah. Um, so th there is that community uh, around those other platforms as well. But um, I j at the moment, like fingers crossed, I just don't kind of see it, um, you know, HubSpot selling. It, even if they did, you know, it's, it's not going to change overnight. Absolutely. Um, and and there's, there's obviously stuff coming in now. Uh, there's other platforms that are starting to appear that you kind of look at and go, well, maybe like you're actually going to be challenging HubSpot in a few years' time, and I, I think you just kind of have to take it as it comes. Uh, I, I think you also see that with scale. The bigger a company gets, the more susceptible they are to smaller companies, yep. more agile companies coming yep. in and starting to build a product that people actually want. Whereas you've got HubSpot, they've got a bit more bureaucracy now. Yep. It, it's a bigger ship to turn. Yeah, and absolutely. start make, making changes. Absolutely, and I think I think to be honest, like I'm, you know, I'm I'm a HubSpot partner. My like we've said, my entire business 
is built around HubSpot. Um, however, you know, there are, I'm in the platform all day and there's things that I'm just like tearing my hair out going, guys, like, what are you doing? You know, there, there is definitely stuff that needs to change and you can look at that and go, uh, this, this stuff needs to change. Otherwise, you can kind of look at it and go, I can see this. I can see people going to other places in mm-hmm. a few years' time. Well, it, it's fascinating you bring that up because there's a lot of companies, a lot of MarTech companies, especially in the Boston area, yeah. that, that are really coming in and posing a real challenge with yeah. completely different ideas. We'll get yeah. onto a little bit more of this later, that HubSpot need to start making like serious changes before these slightly smaller, more agile companies are yeah. going to come in and bring their new methodology to wipe them out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, it's it's almost, I've been thinking about this a bit lately, and um, <laughs> it sounds really weird. Uh, did you, do you know the story about um, Snow Leopard when, when Apple released no, Snow Leopard? No, tell me more. Okay, so, um, you know, Apple released their new, back then it was called OS X, um, it's Mac OS now. Um, they uh, they released their new operating system. I, I don't think it's even back then it was a annual. It's only just in recent years that it's become an annual thing. Yeah. Back then it was like 18 months, two years. Um, but it's always like, hey, we've got 200 new features and we've got 400 new uh-huh. features and we've got 7,000 new features. When Snow Leopard came out, I think the uh, I'd only been using a Mac for like 12 months then, so I wasn't really kind of ingrained. I bought my first Mac in 2008. Yeah. Um, so I, ha- I wasn't really like ingrained in the, the kind of Apple ecosystem. Um, but from what I understand, uh, OS X had been kind of getting buggy and there was performance issues and people were kind of like, eh, this isn't like what it used to be. And Apple came out and they released it <laughs> and they put this big slide up on the, the screen and they're like, Snow Leopard. Zero new features, <laughs> <laughs> which is like, which sounds utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but it, it, w- what the, the message was like, it's, and it's a it's a ballsy message. Um, the message was, we're not bringing out anything new this year. We're taking what we've got and we're going to optimize it. We're going to improve the stuff that's already there, and we're just going to make it really, really hum. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel. At the moment, that's what I'd really like to see. Um, Chris O'Donnell, the guy that you know looks that does the product keynote. Does, at, does at the Inbound, product keynotes? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I would love to see him come out this year and be like zero new features uh, and just really focus on all the stuff. Like you go into the HubSpot Ideas Forum and there's just pages and pages of people going, "Why can't I do this stuff?" I would love to see all that stuff like ticked off. You know, they've got their three product suites now. They've got marketing. They've got sales, they've got service, mm-hmm. they've got three pricing structures, you know, they've <laughs> got uh, starter, they've got professional, they've got enterprise. That feels like that's where it's kind of been going since they started rolling yeah. out the CRM, right? Here's a free CRM, here's some sales tools, here's some professional sales tools, here's some service tools. And it's all kind of nice and uh, uh, kind of symmetrical now. It would be really nice to see them go, right, We've this is where we were going. Now we're going to just make this thing really, really hum yeah so as as this podcast we're gonna write an open letter to hubspot <laughs> christopher o'donnell if you're listening th- I'm, this, I'm sure he is <laughs> this this is what we we sort of this is what we demand this is what we demand from hubspot <laughs> in in 2019 a snow leopard year and start to optimize some of the things so let's let's have a little look into some of the things you feel that HubSpot should be optimizing and improving on in 2019. All right, so I've got I've got three um, 
kind of areas that I think they need to look at. The first one is um, HubSpot as a platform improvements. Um, the second one is just kind of improvements to the existing tool set. Uh, and the third one is some tools to really, really help the people who are administering accounts or who are working as partners. Those are kind of the three areas that I, and look, it's going to be different for everyone, yeah. but they're the three areas that I would really, really like to see them work on. So let's go into the HubSpot as a platform improvements. Okay, so I think one of the things that's been really clear from HubSpot in the last couple of years is that they are, I mean, uh, Brian Halligan's even tweeted about this. They've written articles about it. They're moving away from being an application to being a platform. HubSpot recognized that they're, you know, they hired, um, obviously, uh, Scott Brinker, uh, Chief Martech, um, you know, the guy who does the, the marketing technology landscape oh, graphic. Oh, you, you see it every year. They come out with it. Yeah, yeah. so that, that used to be done independently. Well, they hired the guy, Scott, that actually uh -huh. put that together. Um, so they're really working and investing in that HubSpot Connect ecosystem. And I think the reason for that is because they know that, like you alluded to earlier, they can't do everything. Mm -hmm. Like you just can't. There is so much stuff that the modern marketing team and sales team need. The HubSpot cannot possibly deliver all of it and be best in class in all of those areas. It's just impossible. Absolutely. And, and you see, you've seen them try to start implementing some of these features. Mm. But at the end of the day, marketing teams aren't going to drop all of the tools they use at the moment to move over to HubSpot because they want everything integrated they are more likely to move to HubSpot if they know categorically that Drift is going to work perfectly with yep. them, that Wistia is going to work perfectly. HubSpot introduced their video platform yep. in uh, inbound 2018. Yep. But at the same time, there's people who are very invested in Wistia. Yep. They're happy to use it. They want to know that that integration is going to stay and work well. So I think yep. you're completely right there. Yeah, I, I think they, they, you know, that that's that's obviously something that they're really, really looking at. And we, you know, like I know we're, we're, we're like, we're kind of joking about, you know, holding Chris to ransom, the poor guy, um, <laughs> like jumping on stage and going, we will not leave until you give us. Um, but but um, they, they know, they, they know this stuff. Like they know what they're doing. They're very, very smart guys. Yeah. Like uh, guys and girls. Um, uh, they they, they kind of know what they're doing and this stuff will be coming but it, it, it sort of feels at the moment like uh, the, the way I feel at the moment about HubSpot and I've been working with a couple of clients lately that have really um, made this like super clear is that HubSpot is built like the underlying infrastructure of HubSpot is a marketing tool, right? It was a, it was a tool designed to track the success of your digital marketing mm -hmm. efforts right so organic search social media um uh you know email marketing all that kind of stuff that's what it was built for now it's grown it's also a crm and it's also a service tool as well if you think about the crm and the sales stuff right if i'm a sales guy do all my leads come in from digital channels no mm -hmm. like they come from events they come from networking, you know, like after after work. They come from coffee shops. They come from all these different places. And some of those might be with the marketing teams involved. They might be doing trade shows or they might be doing, you know, third-party webinars or they might be hosting networking events or it might be Saturday on the golf course. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. as, as, as cliched as that is. But as a marketer, 
I want those guys to be able to input information into the system and say, I met these people at this event. And at the moment, you can't really do that without kind of hacking HubSpot. I'm working with a customer at the moment that has completely rebuilt the um, original source property in HubSpot. The original source property has been the bane of my life the last <laughs> couple of months, right? They Because HubSpot obviously tracks all the form submissions and you know all that kind of stuff um, and, and gives you that information on where people have come from. But this customer, they do tons of events and trade shows. They do tons of webinars with um, third parties. So it's not like a direct integration between Zoom and HubSpot. Yeah. They're actually like, you know, going to a webinar that 10 other companies are involved in and then they're buying the lead list and uploading it to HubSpot. And then they came to me and they were like, our HubSpot reports suck. And it's kind of like, okay, well, we have to figure out like how to make this work um, because they're uploading all this information to their CRM. Like as far as they're concerned, this is our CRM. Um, we're using HubSpot instead of Salesforce, but it doesn't give them all that attribution. And that's a real problem. Um, and and maybe, not, maybe not for other people. Um, but for me, I find it a, a massive problem because these companies are looking at this system and going, well, it, it doesn't tell me what I need to know. I, I can't, you know, I can't say this came from an event or this came from this source or whatever. I'm just stuck to these, you know, sources that HubSpot says these are the ones you have to work with. Well, what's your thought on thoughts on being able to edit the lifecycle stages or would you just say just build a custom property? It's really hard because there's so much stuff in HubSpot that is based on those fields. Like I understand why they're not editable. Like I do get it to yeah. a certain extent. But at the same time, if HubSpot isn't going to be a digital marketing tool, then that stuff kind of has to be editable. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? Like it, it, Absolutely. I, we, we, we've run into multiple problems where um, say, say the client has six different stages but they've named their six stages differently and that's the way they've worked. And they want to get HubSpot, but they yeah. don't want to have to change their, yeah. their life cycle stages or what, whatever, their, their marketing stages. They, they want them to be how they've, how they've always worked. Yeah. And for me, I don't feel that's a huge deal to just no. be able to change the name or ch change the descriptions just so you're, you're customizing to that company. Instead of having to build custom fields, then you run into problems with... Um, your reporting and moving say you move, even use um hubspot crm mm -hmm. and sales pro tools and you you try to move it over to there and it just doesn't work as well as you need to but just with simply letting us change the yeah life cycle stage, i think that could be a really really good thing for people there must i mean there has to be a reason and i'm sure like i'm sure they're working on it do you know what i mean like oh, i'm yeah, sure yeah. i'm sure this isn't just um something that they've they've never considered um there was a really there was a really good update in uh, I think it was about November where the original source property you never used to be able to change right you could never actually edit that property um, but now you can you can go into a contact record and say um, this actually came from you know paid social or it actually came from yeah. you know a referral or whatever um, so that's progress um, but I think they kind of still need to do a bit more. One thing I would say that I do like about HubSpot is they do their monthly 
product oh, yeah. updates. Yeah. And you look at any other tool or product, especially of that size, that they're, they're not interested in, in yeah. doing a, a monthly video with all the product updates and yeah. a little bit of in-depth. 100%. And, and do you know what? Like, <laughs> I feel like a massive asshole for, 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 like, for being on here and saying, well, they really could do this because they, they launch so much stuff. So much. Every single month. There is and for, for the size of them, like, look at any other company. Yeah. They've got no chance of of pushing the amount of features they do out. Yeah, 100%. Um, but there, there are just those little, and that's why I said, like, at the start, there's those little things that are just like, you know, there, there are posts on stuff that you would think you would be able to do, um, you know, in that HubSpot Ideas forum that have just been there for years that mm -hmm. are just like, why can't I do this? So, that, I mean, that's actually a really good, uh, a really good point. Like the, the existing tools and features that are already there, that's kind of the second area that I'd like to see them work on. So um, stuff like, this is just the stuff that you're in there, you're in the tool every single day <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you're like, why can't I do this? Why can't I trigger a sequence via a workflow? Like, why can't I do that? I mean, it, it, you must come across that every single time you're onboarding a new client or you're building a new workflow, a new campaign. Yeah. It's just a little thing. And you see the different options you can do from a workflow. Yeah. The different things you can trigger. Yeah. One of the tools that is integrated, you, you can even trigger different things in different tools. Yeah. But something you can't do is trigger sequence yeah which I, is already love, in a hubspot yeah i love sequences like i think they're amazing mm. they're so good um i've got a customer who uses them all the time and he's a hubspot customer he uses hubspot sales um and loves it absolutely loves it and essentially what um uh, he runs a video agency effectively yeah. um uh, a really really well-ranked uh video agency in google um and they uh, they get like five or six leads through their website a day, right? Like which a is day. which is that? Yeah, that's, that's like a or serious salivating there. A serious <laughs> amount of leads, right? They, um, uh, but he's on shoots all day. He doesn't have time to respond yeah. to emails all day. Um, so stuff gets missed. You know, it, it was it was just kind of in his inbox. And um, we he he called me. He was actually my first client with Electric Monk. He called me up a couple of days after I'd uh, I'd started and was like, "Hey, um, have you got anything on?" And I was like, uh, "No." And he's like, "Do you want do you want to do some work for me?" And I was like, "Yeah, cool." So <laughs> I just I went down and met him and and we just sort of chatted about his business and what he was up to. And I sort of said to him, "Hey, look, I think I think you could really do with a CRM." But what we built, we built this automation system for him that is using uh, HubSpot, WordPress, Gravity Forms, and, a, and an app called Gravity Flow, which is a plugin for Gravity Forms that kind of allows you to do automation. When someone comes onto his website, they fill in a Gravity Form form, uh, and basically like it would in HubSpot, all the, all the different fields go into the database, uh, and then uh, there's an automated email sent out so if you go onto his website right now, you say, uh, this is my budget, this is the kind of video I want, this is how long I need it, you'll get a personalized email back. And we've written like 20 different personalized yeah. emails that then go back within 20 minutes. All based on custom fields. All based on custom fields, right? You could do that in HubSpot um, if sequences could be automated. Do you know what I mean? HubSpot form, automated mm -hmm. sequence, bang, done. Instead, I'm using <laughs> Gravity Forms, Gravity Flow, WordPress, Zapier I was, I was, and HubSpot. I was about to say the the holy grail of all tools. It must be Zapier. That's so it, good. It pulls everything together. Yeah, it is like it's great. Like it, it is really good. 
But he he then like if he doesn't get a response to that first email, he then has to log into HubSpot and fire off a sequence. Do you know what I mean? So there's still manual work there. And like, you know, first world problems, right? Like, oh, I, <laughs> I have to go Definitely. into HubSpot and fire a sequence oh, off. No. But the whole, the whole system was built yeah. based on, um, I want to automate this. I'm, you know, I could be on a shoot in, like he was, he was in the Caribbean for a week. And that, that is the point year. of and spending six, seven to three grand on a on a automation tool yeah. you want it to be able to automate yeah and that is one of the basic things that if i don't respond within this amount of time send yeah. this sequence this and person. you can do it uh, you could, obviously you can do that with HubSpot marketing yeah like you know you can you can do the html emails like you know fill in form wait 20 minutes mm-hmm. send a, a marketing email but marketing emails are marketing emails yeah. i want to do sales automation um, and I'm sure there are issues, there's potentially issues, um, I have asked HubSpot, there's potentially issues with like GDPR and all that kind of stuff about opting people into automated emails that they can't unsubscribe from. Um, but there's got to be a way around it. There must be. I mean? There has to be a way around there it. There must be, especially when at that point it's one-to-one communication, right? Yeah. If it's coming from your email, your sales email, although it's automated, yeah. it's still a one-to-one email. Yeah. I, look, there, I, I, I don't know the technical stuff that. behind yeah. it, but there, there kind of has to be way. And there is, in sequences, there is an unsubscribe link now. Uh, I think it's on by default, and you have okay. to turn it off for sequences and templates and stuff like that. Um, so I, I kind of hope they're working on it. I keep asking, and they're like, yeah, no, we're not working on that. Chris Flo Donnell, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> we want to be able to automate we'll our sequences. We'll be on that stage at Inbound <laughs> this year. <laughs> um, I mean, there's, uh, there's loads of other stuff as well. Like, yeah. and, it's, and it's easy to be like a... Um, you know, like a, an armchair commentator, um, stuff like um, the conversations tool. You know how meetings integrates with your calendar? Brilliant, love it. Conversations tool does not integrate with your calendar. So if you set yourself as available between nine and five and then someone pulls you into a meeting between, you know, 12 and one, the conversations tool, unlike the meetings tool, doesn't automatically go. Does Drift do that? Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to find out. Yeah. Because um, uh, I think if Drift do that, it's... It's a huge thing. That it must be coming. Should. Like it, you know, it, it, it has uh, to be on the way. I mean, it's it's basic, and I'm sure, like with some of the complex features HubSpot have released, that's that's something that they can. Yeah. Well, they've got the integration there with meetings, so why not be able to do it with conversations? It's, right? uh, and like I said, it's it's easy for us to sit here and go, "Well, they <laughs> should definitely do this." <laughs> <laughs> can you design a logo in five minutes? Yeah, it's, can, it's just a logo. Yeah, exactly. It's the same. Sort we can of thing. we can very easily spend Brian and Darmesh's money for them. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, guys, do this. It'll be amazing. Um, yeah. And then I th- I think the th- the third um, area for me, and I know this is this isn't um, appropriate for everyone is as a partner, as someone who administers accounts, it is a pain in the ass to administer multiple accounts in HubSpot. Like it is a real pain in the butt. So um, if you, I've, I've just uh, started working with a client who's got 15 uh, sales users. Um, that's the package they bought. They bought, you know, the 15 uh, yeah. sales professional users, which isn't a massive amount, um, but it's still a decent amount. So to set up, their Outlook or G Suite integration, I have to log in to every single account. Every single G Suite account? Every single G Even Suite if account. Got two th- and two every single HubSpot account. Even if they've got two-factor authentication? You've yes. Got oh, my. <laughs> right? Um, setting up meeting links. Like, if I want to set up a meetings link for um, 
you know, for everyone has a, a 30 minute meetings link they can just send out. If yeah. I'm the guy that's doing the HubSpot implementation for them and getting it all set up, I have to go to every single person and say, can I have your HubSpot email and, and password? Can I have your uh, email address and password for obviously for the Outlook or the G Suite stuff? And you have to go through and set that stuff up one by one. Um, it would be really great to see some kind of administrator dashboard where you can go one meetings link. These are the criteria. Da 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 da. Bang, deploy to everyone. Do you know what I mean? Like um, same with editing profiles. If you want to edit someone's profile, they're you know someone's you know filled in their name and they haven't put their profile picture in and they've you know put lowercase and just stuff like that that the businesses do care about. I, I think I think that's huge as well, especially like how much value I think Hub sort of got out of the partner program and the value yeah. their partners bring to them. If there is this partner slash administrator dashboard, administrator dashboard you can yep. get, that would save us a lot of time yeah. for these things, for these these times that are taking loads, unbillable hours. Yeah, the it's just little admin. Time and it's not right. it's not even just for partners. Um, you know the the, mm. the 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 tech company that I worked for, um, we used HubSpot marketing, and like I said earlier, we were um, we were looking at a CRM, I was pushing them and it was early days. So HubSpot CRM was still, you know, a, a very, very um, niche product, I guess. It wasn't as, as comprehensive as it is today. Um, I was pushing them to try HubSpot CRM, but they had like a hundred salespeople. Yeah. Like there was no way that I'm going to, as an administrator internally, the digital marketing guy, like I'm going to have to sit down for days to log in and set stuff up for people. Um, yeah, so it's just it's just that kind of stuff that's uh, that's that's frustrating when you're in the tool day to day. And like I said, you know, it, I I I I love HubSpot. Like as soon as they change the law, we will marry, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> you know, my, my my entire business is built around HubSpot. I, yeah. I love 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 the tool. Um, it, it's just that kind of stuff that just when you're in there all day, you just kind of go. Mm-hmm. One other thing for Christopher, while he's listening, yeah, of course, yeah, um, is when you've got workflows and you're doing if then branches, oh, yeah, having yeah. to rebuild the entire flow on, yeah, on the no branch, yeah, yeah, while you're doing it, there must be a way to duplicate that or reconnect it back around. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a big one actually. Drift does that. Um, mm. oh, sorry, not drift. Uh, drip. Drip does that. A, um, a lot of automation lot of, tools. You know, I think Active Campaign does like, it. If you think about if you're you're on a whiteboard, you're drawing out your workflow. Yeah. You're automatically going to draw that line yep. which goes back to it. Exactly. And, and if you have to replicate it on two sides or three sides mm-hmm. or ten sides, um, then when you want to make a change, like you have to go and make that change across every ten one. different strands of a workflow. Um, yeah. They should put us in charge. I, I, I think it'd be great. <laughs> Can you imagine? All right. So we've gone through, we've rinsed HubSpot of everything yep. we can, but we also must say we, we love them. We love HubSpot. We love HubSpot. We love you guys. What are the other sort of marketing technology that are available that we were sort of talking about earlier when we were yep. saying HubSpot have got to be careful of these up and coming brands? What are the sort of companies that you say people need to be considering? I think... Drift is a really exciting company, like super exciting. Um, you know, th- those guys at the moment feel to me, th- I-, I guess, I mean, I've only used HubSpot for kind of five or six years, but they feel to me the way people talk about HubSpot, like 
seven or eight years ago. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like they've got like <laughs> they've got the eye of the tiger. Do you know what I mean? Like they really just they they know what they're doing. They're trying to change um, change a particular uh, section of the industry. They're really really trying to revolutionise stuff. Um, I, I don't. I've used drift. I don't use drift day to day. But yeah, it's just like you look at the content stuff they're pushing out, and they're it's just amazing. I, I've just got so much, so many thoughts going around my yeah. brain at the moment because I'm a huge, huge fan of Drift. Yeah, I love what they're doing. I'll sing their praises on every website. I'll I'll just in, yep. put Drift on straight away. Their freemium one, just to 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 get it in there. And I'm the same as you. I don't use it day to day. Yeah but I read all their content. I love how they've done away with all forms. They're coming, bringing something new and yep. fresh. Their hyper growth event, which we'll get onto a little bit in a sec, is amazing. Like they've, they've put a hell of a lot of money behind that yep. because they, they want to get people excited about conversational marketing and the product that they're building. Um, and I'm, I'd be interested to go in a little bit more I'd be interested to try out the tool a little bit more yeah. because I, I haven't tried it as much yep. as um, I've tried HubSpot because they're doing some really cool stuff. Have you spoken with um, David Cancel, their CEO, no. or Dave Gerdhart, their, their CMO? They're both really cool guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did, you, so did you go to Hypergrowth last year? I did, yeah. You did. Okay, did you get a lift from um, from Dave? No. So, okay, so on LinkedIn the day before... Um, uh, the day before hyper <laughs> growth in Boston, he put on LinkedIn. Um, oh, uh, by the way, uh, if anyone needs a lift from the airport, I will come and pick you up. Um, that's just brilliant. Do, do you know what I mean? I and that's the that. kind of stuff that you're just like, oh, this is awesome. I'll I, I tell you what that is. That that's someone being a human and knowing their customers are yeah. other humans, yeah. and not just a number on a spreadsheet or a number on a dashboard. Yeah, and I'm sure he regretted it by the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> like, bless him. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. imagine how many trips he made back and forth to the airport, but. Um, I, I, I mean, I didn't. So you went. I went to Partner Day last year because they're both on the same day, mm-hmm. and I th- so HubSpot's Partner Day, and I think um, I think they're on the same day this year uh, in Boston, um, which is unfortunate because but we have an exciting thing to talk about. Yeah, we do. They are coming to London this they year. They are coming to London. So I think they just announced that yesterday. They did, yeah. Uh, which is which is super exciting. Um, that will be really, really cool. Have uh, you got your ticket? Not yet. Um, but the only reason I haven't is because they usually give away a buttload of free tickets before the event. So, <laughs> funny story. <laughs> I hope they're not listening to this. <laughs> I hope only Christopher O'Donnell's listening. <laughs> so, l- l- last year, I, w- I was going out to Boston for Inbound, and they're very clever for putting oh, yeah. put, putting it on the, on the same week as, as Inbound. Yep. But I, I, I was on LinkedIn... Um, just scrolling through Julie Hogan put out a post saying um, I've got 15 free tickets for the first so I put a comment got a free ticket to to Hypergrowth and um, I actually straddled Partner Day and Hypergrowth because I was really intrigued to see what it was it was like and Partner Day was great. Yep, but it's it's a lot of the same thing. It's always a great event. Mm. I, I, you know, lots of people have a lot of opinions about inbound, and I think um, I would prefer uh, that the speakers, even the keynotes, yeah. are less celebrities, mm-hmm. more sales, marketing, customer service, business. I agree because because that's what you go for. That's what you get the most value out of. Yeah. Um, I, I like the, the big ones. Did you go to 2017? 
Uh, I was supposed to. I hurt my leg two days before. I hurt my ankle. My doctor was like, you can't fly. Fuck. I was like, no, I'm going to date with Michelle Obama. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was the first year I went and it was it was unbelievable. Yeah. But you're, you're right. Um, you, you go to the event to, to learn a little bit more about sales and marketing. Yeah. To build your knowledge, to build your network. And it, it's not that there's a lack of sales and marketing content there. In mm-hmm. fairness, do you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the, the breakouts, yeah. like there's plenty of stuff going on. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's, uh, you know, like uh, you're, you're spending, you know, what, 500 quid on a flight, uh, probably a week's worth of accommodation. Yeah. Um, you know, in Boston at a time when there's a massive conference on, there's 20,000 people coming. So it's not cheap. Um, do you think they'll ever do a, a inbound Europe? Because Drifter ahead of them now. Well, they've got like yeah. Drifter doing London uh, this I think, year. I think it's incredibly smart, but they've got the whole thing about Boston. Yeah. They, they want to keep it there. Drift straight away, their strategy was let's get into as many places as they can because yeah. they had their West Coast and then the East Coast. Yep. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Brian and Darmesh, if you're listening, <laughs> we'll, we, we'll, we'll add this to the list. We, we'd love to see um, in, in Ireland, in, yeah, in London, or Barcelona. We'd or love to see an inbound, and I think there'll be loads of people who would love to to go to that. So the, back to the question about like, is there any clash with um, Drift and HubSpot, or can they exist together? At the moment, yeah, definitely. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in five to ten years. Do you reckon Drifter actively like challenging what HubSpot are doing? Uh, I think mm, I think Drift are actively challenging what HubSpot are not doing. I like that. I like that. You're right. But I, I think in in what HubSpot are doing then is they're trying to build out yeah, what 100%. Drift are doing and they've got more power to do it. It's like Facebook when yep. when they went to buy Snapchat and they just started, they copied it and built out built, yeah. built out the exact same product in Instagram. Well, HubSpot effectively do the same thing and build out their chat thing. So it's just as good as, as Drift. Maybe. But I'm not, I'm not sure though. It, it'll be interesting to, yeah. to watch because... Drift are definitely doing interesting things with their content and their product. HubSpot still doing interesting things, yep. but they're not on the same level. Um, they're on different levels, yeah. aren't they? Like they 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 they're still different products. At the oh, moment, absolutely. But they they have some alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I haven't played with Drift that much, but I've I've played with Drift on other people's websites. Do you know what I mean? Like I've played around with the bots and stuff like that. When I know there's no one there, and it's yeah. just like this stuff is really cool. However, I've also played with. Um, the HubSpot tool and played with it on other people's websites as well and gone, actually, I didn't know it could do that. Like mm-hmm. there, there is, there is loads of stuff that the HubSpot tool can do that, um, that, you know, even I haven't figured out yet. And I'm in HubSpot like every single day. Interesting question for you then. Yeah. Like this. If a new client comes to you yep. and they're, they're starting with HubSpot, they've got a website and they say, Chris, I, I, I want live chat on there. Yep. I want to start automating some of my com- conversations. Do you say to them, right, I'm going to, install the HubSpot version, I'm going to install the Drift version. Just from your perspective. Uh, I haven't done Drift yet. Hmm. Um, uh, and I guess the, the reason being um, that the clients that I'm working with, uh, I, I don't work with anyone that's using the free tools in HubSpot. Yeah. 
um, they're already paying for HubSpot. So HubSpot have already got that. You know, I mean, someone's someone's paying, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, however much a month. Uh, what the the marketing professional starts at six hundred and fifty five uh, pounds a month. Um, although I think the the, the the chat tool is actually free uh, now. Um, but it, you know, most of the clients that I'm working with are spending six hundred quid to three four thousand pounds a month on HubSpot. So they might as well use HubSpot. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I I think you're completely right. Um, and excuse me, I think that sort of where Drift need to consider where where they're pricing. So I'm just on their website now. Let's see what what they are charging. So they've got their free model, they've got a fifty dollar model, mm-hmm. and then they've got a five hundred dollar plan. Yeah. So the uh, the bots only come with the five hundred dollar plan. I can't wait to see see where it goes. Yeah. Again, if you've got any thoughts on the battle of Drift v HubSpot and sort of where they're going, send me a tweet at Jay McKimmon. I'd love to hear your thoughts. What other sort of MarTech are you interested in right now? So the, the one app that I'm super excited about this year um, is an app called Write Message, which I think only launched uh, middle of last year, I think. Um, it's 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 very very new. Um, so right message is a personalization uh, system. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a combination between Optimizely and Optin Monster uh, and um, Hotjar, kind of. Yeah. Um, so it does a couple of really cool things. So it does. Uh, like surveys, you know, on Hotjar when you can, you know, have little surveys that pop up in the bottom of the of a website. Mm-hmm. Right Message does a similar kind of thing. Um, the difference between what Right Message does and what Hotjar does is, it, particularly with their integration with HubSpot uh, or any other uh, platform, in Hotjar, when someone fills in a survey, their information goes into uh, a note on the contact timeline, right? What Right Message does is allows people to actually fill in properties in the contact database. So you can have a little survey that pops up. Um, you know, I've got one on my website that is, are you an existing HubSpot customer? Yes yeah, or no? Yes that. Right. Um, so if someone clicks yes or they click no, then I can start to segment in the back end, um, you know, who's already using HubSpot, who's not using it, and then I know you know, actually what, what products are they interested in that I offer? Are they going to be interested in onboarding and, and training because that's for new customers or are they going to be interested in sort of strategic stuff and long-term support because that's for existing yeah. HubSpot customers. How, how does it differ to lead flows in HubSpot? So lead pop-ups as now it's called. So, I mean, it's not, they're not really pop-ups. Um, like a, a pop-up is like an opt-in monster kind of thing where you mm-hmm. get a form that pops up. These are a little surveys and it's just that it pops up in the bottom left-hand corner of your screen, has a question and you can click the button, all right? But that's not, <laughs> that's, that's one part of right message, right? Um, the, the main idea of the platform is that it is a personalization platform. You look at the big, uh, websites that or web services that people use, right? Facebook, uh, Netflix, Amazon, all that kind of stuff. You and I can both go to Amazon.com right now, or Netflix, or Facebook, and we will see completely different things. Yeah. Right. We're on the same domain, <coughs> right? But we will see completely different things. You've got your friends, you've got your interests, you've got your uh, you know browser history. 
uh, all that kind of stuff, and I've got mine, so we're gonna see a completely personalized experience. What Right Message does is it integrates with HubSpot, Infusionsoft, Drip, whatever you know, sort of backend system you're using, takes all the information that you have about a contact in that database and allows you to personalize your website in real time. Right, so if someone comes onto your website, they fill in a form, they give you five pieces of information, you can then change your website the next time they come back or the next time they click through to another page uh, so that it is personalized for them. And I'm not talking about, you know, high first name. <laughs> like that's, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, the kind yeah. of personalization we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, using the information that you know about a particular contact, whether they're a customer, whether they're a new lead, whether they're, you know, whatever, um, to modify and personalize your website to give them the best possible experience. And what would you say the main things that you're changing in your website and your clients' websites? That so I'm still playing with Right Message at the moment. Um, I haven't. I've implemented it on my site. Um, my site is uh, in development at the moment. <laughs> like I'm in the process of building yeah. a new site and figuring out how I can utilize Right Message, but. Um, I mean, that's, a, that's kind of a perfect example. Like from that one question that we just mentioned before, like I said to you, I'm, I, all I do is HubSpot stuff, right? And I do HubSpot implementation and onboarding, um, and I do uh, like post sales, you know, yeah. like service. Like if you, you know, if, you, if you have HubSpot and you need ongoing support um, or you need, you know, strategic support or whatever, the strategic stuff and the support is only relevant for existing HubSpot customers. The onboarding is only relevant for people who are not HubSpot or not currently HubSpot customers. So knowing that information is really, really useful because I can tailor my website, I can tailor my images, I can tailor my headlines, I can tailor my CTAs. Like I can tailor every single HTML element on my website depending on what I know about a person. Do, do you pay for right message? Yeah. Because they're, 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 um, their plans are really, really good, good value. Really reasonable. For marketing tools, you've got... The first plan, which is nineteen dollars a month, then you yep. go to twenty nine, then you go to seventy nine. That's their top plan. Yeah. What are you on at the moment? And uh, I'm looking at the. I'm using the Enrich plan at the moment, which okay. is the one that does the surveys and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm like without question going to upgrade to the the personalization plan. That's brilliant. I'll, I'll leave the link for Right Mission in the description so you can so you can have a little play around. I, I think that's an interesting new tool. Something I've not heard about. Be interesting. Uh, I, I have a f like that, that. That's kind of. I, I, I have no inside information. Yeah. Um, I would guess, and there's already little bits of this in HubSpot, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, smart content and stuff like that. Now that the HubSpot CMS is kind of a standalone product, I think we're going to see more, uh, we're going to see that get more attention. Yeah. You know, um, they've, they've sort of, they spun it off last year. They changed the name from COS to CMS. They kind of tweaked it a little bit, but it wasn't really new. It was just the, the, the main difference was, hey, you can buy this without buying HubSpot yeah. marketing now. Yeah. Um, my guess would be that in the next kind of two to three years, you will probably start to see personalization roll out more. Side-wide. Yeah, because it, I mean, it's, it's what people expect now. Mm hmm you know, we were talking about our mums before. You know, they use Facebook, they use Netflix, they use Amazon. You know, and they are personalized experiences. They're used to the personalized experiences. Um, yeah. It's and 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 that technology is now kind of filtering down so that you know small businesses can use it. Like you said, Right Message is really affordable. Um, yeah, I'm 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 super excited about Right Message. Awesome. And then the sort of the last tool I wanted to talk about was 
Wistia. Now, Wistia is an absolute no-brainer for me. I'm a yep. huge video marketer. Yep. I love video marketing. I also love what Wistia are doing. Why would you say that Wistia is a masthead tool that people should be using? Uh, I mean, video is... <laughs> you've nailed it like i mean video is is just where the web seems to be going absolutely um, um you, you've seen the the cisco stat yeah the eight percent of all web traffic by 20 will be it will be video yeah. um and and that's i mean it's potentially already true i mean i, I don't know yeah, but yeah. like when you think of the amount of stuff that you see on instagram on netflix on you know all that just like if you're not doing video <laughs> Do video. Even if you're not... Um, One sec, let me start that again. We'll train of thought, it'll come back. Even if you've not got... Even if you've, even if you've never done video before, like figure out how to do it yeah. and start doing it. Use the content that you've written, your blogs, and start turning them into videos. There are hundreds and hundreds of blogs out there on the, the gear you need to produce stuff. If you really want to know, get a Panasonic G7 for 500 pounds. <laughs> get two Aperture H198 lights for yep. 50 quid off on Amazon. Then record that. Edit it in Premiere Pro. Edit in Final Cut Pro or iMovie that comes with your Mac. Yep. And then straight away, you've got a good video production kit that looks good. And then buy Wistia start generating leads through your videos natively on your website. Yep, 100%. And that, I I, 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 th I think Right Message integrates with, with HubSpot, and I'm really excited about that. But I think if I was pushed, I think Wistia is probably my favorite HubSpot integration. Mm -hmm. Because that, that, like, one, that thing of having, like, forms uh, and stuff like that, like, embedded in your, um, embedded in your uh, videos... Um, what do they call it? A turnstile? Do they still call it turnstile? They still call it turnstile. Um, that's awesome. Like being able to gate videos is fantastic. Um, and also being able to trigger workflows off the back of um, videos. Someone's watched 25%, 50%, 75%, 100%. Um, uh, like that's so cool. We haven't actually explained what Wistia is. No. Do you want to just quickly? So it's, it's, it's essentially a video hosting platform that... Um, is is kind of uh, dedicated to marketers and to business. Hundred um, percent. You know, if if you want to host videos on YouTube for free, you can do that. YouTube's a great platform. You can embed them on your website. You know, um, YouTube's fine. But Wistia gives you an enormous amount of tools and analytics. Um, although, which I think YouTube and Facebook give you now anyway. But they, they they do. But I think the thing of Wistia, it gives you those tools as a marketer that you yep. need. Because at the end of the day, especially as a B2B marketer, yep. you need to generate leads, you need to start generating traffic to your website. Yep. Um, and Wistia gives you, gives you those tools to to start doing that. Yep. And generally, video has been tofu content. It is, it is your top-line awareness content, trying to attract people. But then what Wistia allows you to do is move some of that content to sort of the middle of the funnel yeah. and you can start converting people and you can start engaging people. Yep. As you said, you can trigger workflows with Wistia. Yep. And th th there's all sorts of other features. If you do a lot of webinars, you can start adding chapters. Yep. If you're doing a longer video. So there's so many different features yep. that Wistia offers. Sort of skipping ahead to their um, 110, 100 series. Have you seen that? Yeah, I did. The, the most 
out of the ordinary bit of marketing content you'll ever see yep. than making a really creative series, a yep. Netflix-style series for free that people can watch. I watched all of it. I loved it. And I really liked how they made that and they can engage people with something completely different that no one else has done. Sure. So so the, the, the premise of the 110-100 series is they did one ad for $1,000, yep. one ad for $10,000, yep. another one for 100000 Yep. And it was essentially going through the process of creating each of these yep. and what you should invest in. They did loads of follow-up content. And essentially, the final sort of outcome of it was the 10,001 performed best because it was sort of the middle ground of like well-produced and yep. looked nice. And the thousand pound one was like really creative, but it didn't quite have the production value and the hundred thousand was just too expensive and it, it overdid it. Right. Then they also went into like what they spent, what their CPL was. Okay. So I didn't see any of that. Mm. <laughs> I I watched the, the, the ads. Like I watched the, the, the when they first announced mm-hmm. it and I was kind of like, uh, I don't really get it. Have not you not that, seen the behind the scenes series? No, I've not watched any of that. Oh, you, I, do you know what? I, I genuinely, I kind of looked at it and I went, "Really, you spent like that much money on this?" <laughs> like, and I was kind of like, uh, "Like, I've got stuff to do." <laughs> like, and that's what I mean yeah. by like, and, and do you know that's a that's a um, like I know we were joking about that, but I don't know if that's a thing as you get older as well. Like that, you're just like, you know, you you just kind of go, uh, "I know what I do now." Do you watch Netflix? <laughs> do you have electricity <laughs> yes i have electricity <laughs> that's why i moved to the uk from australia <laughs> so you know, I, I i found the i found the series really interesting because it it was like the netflix to me maybe that's just me being a me nerd and, yeah me being a, me being a nerd in video marketing and, and loving it but I, when i saw that i i just i thought it was brilliant i thought they did really really well All right, I'll check what, it out. what would you say is the best content from any marketing software any SaaS product would it be drift would it be hubspot because they do a lot i think it's probably drift at the moment um hubspot hubspot obviously have an enormous amount Mm. like you know from from a volume perspective um they have loads but i think drift is doing the most interesting stuff at the moment interesting is definitely a good way to put it and i i listen to just podcasts it's called seeking, seeking wisdom, wisdom yeah. yeah um we both said seeking wisdom yeah at the same time that's we're both gonna die yeah. and I, I, I love it because they don't just do one format of podcast they do lots of different series in the feed the the one i like the most is by jay conzo have you heard of him no and he does this <laughs> this is what i mean you're making me look awful <laughs> Do you know all this stuff? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just podcasts, and I'm a massive podcast nerd. Okay, well, I'm st- I still listen to a gramophone. <laughs> <laughs> Explain, tell me more. No. <laughs> what do I need to know about this thing? No, no, no you just, trust me, you don't want to know. <laughs> and the, the, the series that Jay Conzo does is essentially he did a series of eight brands who are more customer focused. It's called Exceptions. They're more focused on building a brand. They're B2B. Um, companies that do stuff differently so it's a zoom it's your yep. um your wistia your even drifted one mm-hmm. because they're all doing slightly different things help scout they're just they're focused on content and actually a bit more customer centric and it's a really well producing and also the different podcast episodes that drift do really good content 
So Chris, it's been fantastic talking to you. Uh, we've been going for actually an hour and 40 minutes now. <laughs> um, do, do you have any sort of last words, a plug that you want to go for? Uh, no, nothing. I mean, I think we've, we've covered a lot. Um, I think if, if anyone wants to get in contact with me, uh, they can do so at electricmonk.com. Uh, I'm at Chris F. Higgins on Twitter. Um, but that's basically just like me complaining about politics in the UK um, and sort of ranting about other stuff. Um, and if you're inbound this year, um, I will be right beside the Moisilla truck. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Thank you very much, Chris, for coming on. It's been a really, really insightful one. Make sure you leave a review on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at Jay McKinvin and subscribe for the next episode.